0: on today God thank you for God for being our uh, um, God who sees and who knows God who watches over his word to perform it God we're so thankful and we're so grateful for the move of God in this place I thank you that people minds will be transformed and changed so they will know what the good and perfect will of you is God on today and God I bind every demonic attack that will come out against us on today in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood of Jesus over us right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, that we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in us today, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives on the inside of me. And for that, God, I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open your Bibles again to St. John, the 11th chapter. God is going to go back through what we went over last Sunday because I believe there's still deliverance in the house. Amen. John, St. John, the 11th chapter. And I'm going to start at verse 38 this time. And then we're going to stop when the Holy Spirit have me to stop. Amen. St. John, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 38. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. I believe God has a word for you. Say, open up your heart heart." and and receive the word. And the word of God now reads. Now, remember, this is God speaking. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, come to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee, Jesus is reminding you again, that if thou would believe, thou should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. You may be seated. I want to talk again this morning about grave clothes. And we have determined that grave clothes are clothes that people are buried with. And we know that when people are um, buried in grave clothes, that means that they are dead. They're no longer alive. Amen? So we see that um, Lazarus, he was loved by Jesus. Mary and Martha, they were loved by Jesus. And Jesus got word that Lazarus had died. And when Jesus got word, he stayed where he was um, a longer time. He didn't just rush where Lazarus was. But when Jesus showed up, it was four days later. And Martha, she came and met Jesus, and she knew it was four days later. But Jesus, he already knew who he was. This is what God is telling you today. It don't matter what the situation is. When you know who you are, you always arrive on time. When you know who you are. You will always arrive on time because you're coming to represent him. And it's not about you. So Martha began to say, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus let her know that I am the resurrection and the life. And those that believe on me, those that believe in me, though they were dead, they shall yet live. I just love that because Jesus knew who he was. So it didn't matter that Lazarus was dead for four days. Death couldn't hold Lazarus because the resurrection and the life was there. So we know Mary felt the same way. But what Jesus did when he came in, they saw Jesus weeping. And they thought he was weeping because of Lazarus. He wasn't weeping because of Lazarus because he knew who he was. He knew he was the resurrection and the life. He wasn't weeping because he was dead because he knew he came to bring life unto Lazarus. So when we come in on a situation, we shouldn't cry over that situation because there is a situation. Jesus was crying because they did not believe that he was the resurrection and the life. See, when you spend time with the resurrection and the life, there's no dead situation that the resurrection and life won't come in and restore and revive and bring life to. But when we look more at that situation instead of looking at who he is, and the thing is, he's in us. So when we arrive on the scene, we should have joy. But Jesus began to weep. The Bible said Jesus wept. But Jesus began to tell them it was a cave. And you know when somebody died, they're in a dark place. And it was a cave that Lazarus was in. And Jesus said, I want you to roll away the stone. See, this is what has to happen. Remember, Jesus is the word. So that means the word has to come in on the picture in a dead situation. You cannot deliver nobody, heal nobody, and set nobody free without the word coming in on the same. Because the word will quicken you. The word will bring life unto you. So if you go in, um, into a place, you go in because you are sent to that place to bring life to that dead situation. You're not going just for people to see you. It's too many people going for people to see them and not see Jesus. And that's why things are not working. When God sends you out to do something from him, he's going to be well represented. You're not going to leave the same. They're not going to be the same because he's sending you. He sent Jesus. So Jesus was there on the scene. He said, take away the stone. Understand this. The word spoken will take away those hard places in your life. The word will bring life. It will roll away the stone. It will roll away the things that's blocking you from coming forth to hear what the Lord has to say unto you. We have blockers in our lives. This is why some of us are still stuck in a stupor. Because we have blockers that we don't even know anything about. But he said, roll away the stone. It was in a cage. So they rolled away the stone. That was the first thing. Remember that the word was speaking. The word was telling them what they had to do. You're supposed to be carriers of the word. So when you enter a place, you should be speaking what God is saying unto that place. And whatever God say unto that place, that's what need to be done. But Jesus, he began, see, understand that it was Lazarus in that cave. So Jesus had to call forth Lazarus. So Jesus called forth Lazarus. And it said with a loud voice. I believe Jesus done it with authority because he knew that he had the power over death, hell, and the grave. So Jesus began to call Lazarus forth. But guess what? Lazarus could not come forth until the things that was in his way was moved. That stone was in his way. So it had to be moved before Lazarus can come out of the cave. So where we miss it is we're trying to get something from God, but we're not realizing what's in our way. You're pulling out scriptures in the word of God, but you got to recognize what's in your life and move it out the way. So this is what he did. He said, Lazarus, come forth. But notice when Lazarus came forth, Lazarus still was bound. Where am I going with this? Just because you've been saved all your life don't mean that you're totally free. Some of us think when we get saved, we are free. I beg you to differ because I got saved to get rid of depression. I'm thinking that once I get saved, then I will be free from depression. But when I got saved, it got worse. And I didn't understand, okay, I'm, I'm serving Jesus. People telling me to come to Jesus, having come to Jesus meetings, but I'm feeling the same way. Why am I feeling like I'm feeling? This is what was going on with Lazarus. Lazarus came forth he was resurrected remember that all of us that are saved we have been resurrected this is why the word of God tell us in Romans 6 let's go to Romans the sixth chapter look at your neighbor say you're going to be taught this morning say I'm telling you you. to wake wake up say if you got to slap yourself to wake up slap yourself Hey, I'm not playing on this morning because I want people delivered. Amen. I want people set free. So I speak that no slumber will come to your eyelids. Amen. So we look in Romans chapter 6. This is what it says in um, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So what Paul is saying that we were buried with him. We were buried with him. So when Jesus died, we died with him. The thing that happened in our lives was we had to be buried. But in order to be buried, we had to resurrect to a newness of life. So this is what happened in the next verse. It says... For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, meaning that we was buried with him, we, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. This is the verse I want you to pay attention to, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. So we got to know that this old man, this old man that drove us, that compelled us to sin, it was buried, it was crucified, it's no longer alive, it's not living, it is dead, that old man, and when we have to understand and know this, So when we are resurrected, we're not resurrected with that old man that compelled us, that drove us to sin. This is why Paul was talking about when people were up under the law, and the law tell you not to do this, that old man that was in you, that driving force, would rise up and tell you to do it, and it's like you were going towards what you should not have been doing, which is sin. So it's actually saying that driving force that drove you to sin was done away with. You are no longer under the power or the control of sin because Jesus done away with that on the cross. Thank God for that. So when you accepted Jesus, that old man died with him. You died with him. But when you rose up, you rose up in a newness of life. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, if the old man died, what's going on? Why am I still feeling the same way? It is because that old man, it left behind some habits. It left behind some way of doing things. Your spirit was the part of you that was made new. Your spirit was the part of you that was born again that got saved. Your middle man, which is your soul, did not get saved. So everything you were accustomed to... Before you got saved, is still a part of that middle man. Now, I want y'all to understand this. Some people think that I'm saved and I escaped hell. You can be living hell here on earth being born again because you don't know that you're still wearing grave clothes. See, Jesus, he recognized Lazarus is coming up a new creation. He can't have on no grave clothes and be a new creation. Even though he's resurrected, he's still got on some grave clothes, and those clothes got to be loosed for him so he can be let go of. See, some of us don't even realize you're holding on to things in your life that you should not be holding on to. We went to the beginning in Genesis And we see how in the beginning how God created everything good, and it was very good. We see how he used, Satan used a part of God's creation, which was the serpent. He used what God created to get his job done. He got his job done well. He used the serpent. He turned around, and he took the word of God, which was God's word, and he twisted the word of God. He used the serpent that was crafty. A serpent that was um, sly. He used all deceitful. He used all of this to get what he wanted. So what the, What Satan does is he goes about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he can devour. You can be one of those whom. The Bible said like a roaring lion. That don't mean he's a lion. He's like one. But you got to know who you are. When you don't know who you are, you're always giving him credit for something he don't have a right to in your life. So he used that serpent, and we see that their eyes were open. Adam and Eve's eyes were open because they ate from a tree God told them not to eat from. And we see that sin came upon what? The world. So they were living in a fallen world. Death was a part of that. Sin represents death. So we see they saw their nakedness before they wasn't bothered by being naked. They wasn't ashamed. So when they knew that they were naked, they tried to cover up their own nakedness. This is what sin does to us. It want to cover things up. It don't, the devil don't want you to know these grave clothes that you have on. And that's why even presenting these messages, the enemy try to make it like a struggle because he don't want you to receive the truth. Because he know when you know the truth, that's when you're free from whatever you're going through. Some people don't even want people to talk about a subject like this. Why? Because it brings back some hurt. It brings back some disappointment. It brings back some things that you have pressed down that you don't want to deal with. But those are the things that you need to deal with so you can take off those grave clothes. So we see that shame came in on the picture. Fear came in on the picture. Condemnation came in on the picture because they were living in a fallen world. And then they began to blame each other. But we see that the very thing that Satan used, which was the serpent, got cursed. Because this was part of the fall. So I want you to understand that God's word is already written. God is not going to change his mind about his word. Because God have laws. Just because you're not up under the law. see, so you don't have to be um, up, up under the law. But you have to abide by the law. Meaning that this, the law is his word. So if God said don't, you don't. But back then, when you did what God told you not to do, you were stoned. You died. But because of Jesus, death don't have no hold on you no more. So God is looking at, you still got to abide by my law. Whatever the word of God says, this is what you're supposed to do. So we see that the serpent got cursed. The man got cursed. The the woman got cursed. So we see what happened. It wasn't God's fault for all of this because he told them what was going to happen when they disobeyed what he said, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from this tree, you will surely die. He meant a, a spiritual death, not a physical death. So God had to take them out, Adam and Eve. And the thing about God is his goodness was right there, his mercy and his love. They tried to cover themselves But God even killed an animal, shedded the blood, used the skin of the animals, and he covered them. But God said, I'm going to cover you because of my love, but I got to put you out of the Garden of Eden. Because if you stay in here, you're going to eat from this tree of life, and you're going to be in this condition forever, which is this sinful state. And God said, I'm not going to have it. So we see that they had children. Adam knew Eve. Remember, the Bible said that was his wife. And we talked about some of the grave clothes that people wear is thinking that they supposed to be able to date and fornicate, Hmm, date and fornicate. Ain't that something? God know how to put it on it. Date and fornicate. They think that they just, oh, I love you. So because I love you, then this is what we need to do. No, no, that ain't God's kind of love. You don't have to prove no love in no bedroom. The thing is, if you got to prove love in a bedroom and you haven't become one yet, that's the enemy right there deceiving you by a man or by a loose woman telling you this is what we need to do so we can see if we're supposed to be together. No, 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 no. What you're doing is creating a soul tie. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to bond closely together so whatever that man feel, you feeling. whatever that woman feel, he's feeling. Don't be deceived by the enemy. Don't let no man tell you that... This is how I want to prove my love, please. That's serving the devil. That's not the way God does it because that's not what the word of God says. So those are some grave clothes that people are wearing because they're thinking this is what they got to do to say that they're in love. So we look at they had children, which was Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel was raised by Adam and Eve. So they knew God's standards. They knew what God expected because their parents knew. And I'm pretty sure that those parents is going to tell them this is what God expects, even though they're in a fallen world. We see one, Cain, he bought an offering. It was not acceptable to God. But Abel bought an offering. It was acceptable. So Cain, because his offering was not acceptable, he felt rejected. And when he felt rejected, he became jealous over his brother. And he began to be so angry that he killed his own brother. These are these clothes. He had on these clothes. So we look at how it went through Cain and Abel. He killed Abel. And God told him, and this is the key for y'all. He says, sin lies at the door. And it waits. The devil know where he's going. He don't have a problem waiting on you. He don't have a problem trying to see where your weaknesses are. He don't have that problem. Sin lies at the door and wait. God said, Cain, he says sin lies at the door and wait, but you can master it. Body of Christ, why do you think you can't master sin? Sin has already been mastered, first of all. So when we know what Jesus have already done, we don't let sin have dominion over us, right? So we see here that God told Cain that. But we know that God put a mark upon Cain. He was a vagabond. So when Cain was coming, everybody knew about Cain. Through Cain's generation, through what Cain done, his great-great-great-grandson ended up doing the same thing and bragging on it. It just went through the generation. So we know that God began to say that it was so much wickedness upon the earth that the imaginations of men's hearts And women's hearts were so evil, so wicked, that all they thought about was evil. So God knew. He he had somebody in that generation through Seth's bloodline because Eve began to have another son, and it was Seth. And that's when um, righteousness came back upon the earth. See, you have a choice. You have a choice from whom you're going to serve. So we see that through Seth, there came Noah. And Noah, God saw him righteous. So what he did, he said, I want you to build me an ark. And I want you, y'all, we went over this last week. I want you to put everything in this ark. I tell you to put two animals, two of each kind. And the reason why he was doing this, because he was repopulating the earth. Noah and his sons, his wife and their wives went in there and the door was shut in the ark. Now I want you to notice this. When that door was shut, that represents your spirit. That's where God is dwelling in your spirit. So that means that the sin that was on the earth, that was literally being destroyed, um, no one them was shut up in that ark. So what am I telling you? The enemy cannot touch your born-again spirit, and he knows that. That can't be touched. So that ark represents your spirit. All of them were shut up. They were in an ark of safety, and that's what your spirit is. It's an ark of safety. But you got to know who you are now that you're in Christ, to know that you have a place of safety on the inside of you. So y'all know what happened after that? They, they come out of the ark. It was Noah and his family. God made a promise. He said he would never destroy the earth again by water. So he gave a rainbow as a covenant to Noah. And Noah done the sacrifice before God. But they began to repopulate. And guess what happened, y'all? Noah got drunk. Noah got happy. He got drunk and he lay down naked. And he had three sons. And the son Ham came in and saw his father nakedness. And when you see somebody naked, it brings shame to that person because you should not be looking on nobody nakedness. So when he saw his nakedness, he told his brothers, his brothers came in, walked backwards, covered their father up. But Noah, when he realized what Ham had did, he ended up cursing Ham's child, Canaan. So guess what? I want y'all to understand this. When Noah and them come out of the boat, out of the ark, understand this they were saved I'm going to use that they were saved because they were in a place of what safety that's just like us being born again they were in that place of safety so when they come out they still had to come out to a fallen world I want y'all to catch this because sin was still there even though God done away with that world that was sinning then when they come out y'all it was still prevalent how do you know because Ham. He was shut up in that place with his father. Noah, he was righteous before God, but Noah got drunk. Come on, we have drunkenness, which is what? A sin. So Noah still messed up. He still had on some grave clothes, even though he was shut up. Y'all better y'all better grab hold. He still had on some grave clothes, and they showed up once he planted a vineyard. So evidently, he had to have some thoughts. We all have thoughts, don't we? So Noah got drunk. His son saw the nakedness. So see, sin was still, grave clothes were still there. So he ended up cursing Ham's son, Canaan, and guess what they had to deal with? They had to deal with that generation through Canaan, which was the Canaanites. It was all the mites. And it was seven of them that they had to deal with that was still upon the earth. And God had the audacity to tell them, I'm going to give you the promised land, which is Canaan. But God knew all these ites was on that land. Now, y'all understand where I'm going. So you're saved, but you got a lot of ites. You got a lot of clothes that you're wearing that represent those ites. And this is what happened. Y'all know this ministry, Roots Up. And it tears down strongholds, right? So anything that need to be rooted up, God going to have me to root it up. So I have to stay in the place that God has anointed me to stay in, even though some people don't like it. You know, some people think you telling my business. No, God is helping you. Amen. God is helping you. If anything that I bring across this pulpit, it is because of the spirit of the Lord speaking through me to give it to you to let you know what kind of grave clothes you're wearing. So we see that dealing with the stronghold, it's an area in your life that you held in bondage due to your way of thinking. And I call these grave clothes. I call them clothes that you're wearing and they're recurring patterns. Anything in your life that keeps recurring over and over and over again, you have a stronghold. That means if it's an area in your life that you can't shake off of you, it could be a bad attitude. You're wondering, why do I have this attitude all the time? It keeps recurring and recurring and recurring. You might have a... um Thing dealing with sickness. All the time the enemy is hitting your mind with, you're going to be sick. You're going to be sick. You're going to be like this one. You're going to be like this one. You're going to be like that one. And that thing keep recurring and recurring and recurring. It keep repeating itself. And if it's repeating itself and you ain't doing nothing with it, it's building fortresses in your mind to keep you in bondage. Even though you save, you still in bondage. Even though you say you free, you still got on these grave clothes, which represent strongholds. And we look at how it came through the generations. And we talked about how one household may raise their children this way. Another household may raise their children this way. In the womb, women, when you're pregnant with a child, you should bring that child up in the way that they should go. Meaning that you should not um, subject that child to the way of the world. And this is what we do because some people don't know the difference. If you are carrying a child in the womb and you're drinking, you're cursing, you have fear, you have anger, it's going to that child. You're feeding that child that. And when you feed that child that, when that child come out, that child ways are always the, the way that you train that child to go. So you have to be careful in the womb. So these things went through the generation through what they done. So God had to eventually lay down laws. Because they didn't know they were sinning because it was a normal part of life, y'all. Some people think they're really living, but they're really dead. They're thinking that the world has everything for them, but they're really living a dead life. They're living saved, but they're really walking like a dead man and don't even know it. And the reason why I say that is because the Bible tells you that when you love the world and you love the things that are in the world, The love of the father is not in you. Now, how can we be saved and still be loving the world? We need to check ourselves because when we come to Jesus and know what Jesus have done for us, we lose the world. That means we don't do the things that the world does. We don't act the way the world acts. So what you need to ask yourself is, why am I still repeating this pattern? Why I can't stay off Facebook? Y'all, I'm going to drive Facebook in the ground why I can't stay off Facebook every time I pick up my phone I can I can close my eyes and put in my password I can do this so I can do that it is because it's a repeating pattern it become a stronghold in your life and you feel like you cannot live without come on just cut it out cut it out don't even use that you going up there and speaking the word that's just an excuse to get on Facebook don't even use you that is a repeated pattern that is something that keeps occurring you can't even cut it down for seven days when I say shut it down for seven days some people flesh was trembling they couldn't take it that's when you should know that you got a stronghold in your life when you cannot live without a thing some people wouldn't even come up here and tell me they was taking the challenge because they didn't want to be held accountable when they hit the button you done hit the button even after I said it in your mind You done saw your page. You done saw everything. That means that you got a stronghold in that area dealing with Facebook. You feel like you got to have Facebook. Why do you feel like you got to have Facebook? Because you're wearing clothes of rejection. You feel like everybody on Facebook give you compliments. That's why you put pictures up there. Come on, I'm going right back over everything to make it real. You put your pictures on Facebook to tell them where you've been, where you're going, and what you're doing because you want people to like you. Let's just stop right there and let you think. Then when you see what somebody else is doing, then you want to do what they're doing. Their picture ain't going to outdo my picture. Let me go way back. Get the throwbacks. Throwback Thursday. So you got to find something that, look, come on, I know I'm talking right. You got to find something that outdo what they're doing. It becomes competition. They get married. I'm this age. I should be married before them. That's rejection. See, the enemy used rejection because he was already rejected, y'all. He was kicked out of heaven because of what he wanted to do. Because of pride. Because I will. I will ascend. sin before God. I will do this. I will do that. So the enemy got kicked out. Guess what? He want people to feel rejection because he was rejected. And we got so much rejection in the body of Christ that people have wars going on. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses. You can't outdo me or what we do, we make somebody look bad so we can look good. We begin to talk about somebody to put them down because we want to look better than they're looking. This is why you don't tell your business on Facebook. Don't tell them what your kid's doing. Don't tell them what your husband done. Because when your husband don't do it and cheat on you, what you going to tell Facebook then? You don't have to because they already know what he done. You're telling too much of your business. Why? You are rejected. Oh, some of you say, well, I ain't on Facebook. You on some kind of social media getting something out for people to know who you are. That's how I know you don't know who you are in Christ. Because if social media got to define you, you really don't know who you are. So rejection is a grave clothing that we wear. And some of us don't realize we're wearing it because we done got so used to that garment that it's become a part of us. It's become a part of life. People are rejected on jobs. People are rejected all around. And sometimes you're not really rejected, but the enemy wants you to look like you rejected, so you can feel depressed, so you can feel oppressed. That's when oppression come in on top of rejection because it's oppressing you. And you need to be healed from that. You need to be delivered from that. Why? Because you begin to have thoughts in your mind. Nobody want me. Nobody want to be with me. I'm lonely. I'm always by myself. I want people to see me for who I am. So why are you hiding behind other people and want to be like them? God created you for who he wants you to be. You are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. So outside of what anybody else do, you are who God created. So take your mind off of what people are doing. And I'm going to be honest with you. People on Facebook don't care about you. They put their little sayings up there. They don't stop by your house and check on you. When your bills need to be paid, do you see them coming on Facebook to pay them? When you're going through in your marriage, do you see them encouraging? They're too busy trying to be seen, heard, and attached to. They get on Facebook and they put pictures to make people think they have the happiest marriage by the way, if y'all want to b- borrow my um, birthday flowers and take a picture with this and say, look what my honey done. I wonder if anybody done it. Because you want somebody to think that your husband or your honey love you so much. So you put fake flowers on Facebook to get a lot of hits. Oh, he love you. No, you want to be loved. I don't have to show nobody what my husband do to know that my husband loved me. If he never give me a rose, I know he loved me. If he never take me out to eat, I know he still loved me. Y'all better know what love is. Love is not defined by material things. That's why you got to know agape. You get jealous because somebody else got more from their hubby than you got from yours. You don't know what they did to get what they got. Rejection. That's a big word, y'all. And some of us still suffering from rejection. Come on, don't go to no family reunion. And you walk in there and nobody's saying nothing to you, but they're saying something to everybody else. And you're feeling, well, why nobody ain't saying nothing to me? Because of who you are. You ain't like they are. You totally different from them. So why do you want the world to come up to you and clap for you? That shows you that you still wearing rejection. Because your feelings, your emotions went wild. Because nobody told you, your hair looked nice. Ooh, look at your nails. Ooh, are you wearing that? Nobody come up to you and you knew you looked good. You knew you prepared for that reunion. You knew you lost some weight and you got on your nice heels and your feet hurting, but you're going to go in there and let them know I still got it going on. you wearing this tight girdle to make them think you lost more weight than you really lost and nobody ain't even looking your way and now you mad. And what you need to do is say, I need help. I'm rejected. I'm really, re-. y'all, I'm trying to help you to let you know these recurring patterns. Anytime you go in a place and you feel left out of that place, quit blaming it on, it's because I'm saved. Yeah, that could be part of it. But the main reason is you want to be accepted. Church folks want to be accepted. Don't let nobody get up here and know they sung hard. <laughs> and nobody say, ooh, child, you sung today. That's right. If nobody don't say nothing, you're going to question somebody and say, Letting church good just to get your. We letting stuff define us. Church folks. And you trying to bring somebody else in the kingdom and you ain't whole yet. You can't go nowhere without somebody looking at you. Oh, I'm going to get deep. Because you need to know who you are and who you belong to. And you need to know what's attached to you so you can get rid of it through the word of God. The word is your antidote. The word is your medicine. And you know these things. And this is why God got me teaching you these things to let you know if it's a recurring pattern in your life. It is a stronghold. You just don't keep getting angry and angry and angry for no reason. It's a stronghold in your life of anger. And it's coming from somewhere. It's probably coming from your childhood. I was speaking to a lady and she was telling me that during her childhood, her mother and father got a divorce. And the reason why is because that father, he was doing things. He had no business, but long story short, he would beat his daughter a lot, really beat her. And she was so afraid. That's anger. She was very afraid in her childhood of her dad just beating her for no reason. See, if you have some things going on in your life, it can start from the womb. If the mother's having a problem with anger because of a man, because of a mother, because of a father, it's hitting that baby in the womb. When that baby come out, that baby's going to have fits of rage. Be very angry. Some of them come out like a fighter, uh-huh, because that woman emotions is hitting that baby. So when that baby come out, the baby's being bold for the woman. So the baby ain't going to take no junk, Y'all, I'm telling you the honest God, truth. They'll slap you in a, in a hot minute. I have never seen babies come out the way they come out now. They're coming out like Muhammad Ali. I'm not lying. They'll come out and hit you and act like it ain't nothing. They'll come out and bite you and hard like a bulldog. And you're wondering, where did this behavior come from? It comes from the womb. Whatever the mother is holding in that womb affects the child. I'll use me since some people don't believe it. When I was carrying Jeremy, I was full of fear. And I didn't know it affected Jeremy. So when Jeremy come out, y'all, this is funny. Y'all know how big he is. When he was little, he was way bigger than Ariel. Ariel had to go with him to the bathroom. I'm like, boy, you're supposed to be protecting your sister. So she had to walk with him down the hall and wait while he closed the door. And I said, Lord, what is wrong with my son? Big as he is, my little teeny, they six years apart. Now, here she is. I said, what's wrong with my son? And I noticed those patterns with my son when he was growing up. And I noticed how Jeremy felt very rejected. And I'm like, why is this boy rejected? And he's getting all the love for us because I have rejection in my womb. So when Jeremy come out, he had fear. He had rejection. Jeremy wanted attention. He would do things to get attention. He will make you mad to get your attention. So what I'm saying is when God let me see that pattern and how it came from my wound, I begin to break some of those things off of my son. I say, no, this stops here and right now. You will not go through what your mother went through. You are not rejected. You are accepted. You have been accepted in the beloved. I will keep repeating those things. So we got to understand that if you don't know what was happening in your womb or what went on with you even before you got pregnant, it is subject to go to your children. And if we don't see that, the children will grow up just like we were. So this is why I'm telling you about rejection. I'm telling you about anger. You just don't get angry at a snap of a finger. That means you got a stronghold. That means it's something that happened in your life. Some of us have put up so many walls because we have been so wounded in our lives. We've been wounded by family. We've been wounded by people. So we'll put up a wall. How do I know that people have up a wall? Because they don't let you get but so close. And when you say certain things, they'll cut you off and bring correction. Because they don't want to go there. They don't want to talk about that. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tired of people acting like they had the best family ever. Well, my family didn't do it. Didn't, my, your family done something that's hidden, that's under the rug, and they ain't told you what they done, and they're trying to make you think, well, we didn't live like that. No, you were living some kind of way in sin. And it got attached to those children. Quit this mess. I don't know why I'm not cheering like that. I raised them good. But your children knew when you were down and out. Your children knew when you were rejected. Your children knew when you were crying and you didn't even know you were crying. Your children knew when the daddy stepped out on you. And you laying there waiting on daddy. And they hearing you cry every night. Because daddy, come on somebody. I know this stuff. Your children already knew. And this is why we as parents, when we know the truth, y'all, we're supposed to use the truth to set people free that don't know the truth. That's the only way they're going to be free. And this is what happens, y'all, in life. And I'm, I'm going to go to another subject. We have kids that's being adopted every day. Kids that are given up. They're put into the system. The mother carry that child. That child is used to that mother in that womb. And when that baby come out, that's why they give you that baby. Because you lay that baby upon your chest and they hear that heartbeat. Because they're hearing that heartbeat in the womb. And when they hear that heartbeat in the womb, they're attached to that mother. And also that father, because if that father is there doing that pregnancy, talking to the baby. They know that father. They know that mother. But when that baby come out and they take that baby and they give it to another family or they put it into a foster home or put it somewhere, him or her, where they can be adopted, right then there's abandonment. That baby feel abandoned. That baby feel like you didn't want me. You don't love me. So that baby is growing up with other nations in that foster home. So whatever nations are in that foster home, they're grabbing hold to being taught by what nation is in there. Those ites are waiting for those babies in that foster home. It may have been a loving mother, but she couldn't take care of the baby. And she's praying that God would give that baby a family that would be able to help them. Go back to Moses. Moses' mother gave him up, but she was trusting God and giving him up. When she gave him up, the sister followed where Moses went. And, we know, Pharaoh's daughter took Moses, and the sister was there. She said, this is the, she said, this is a Hebrew child. And the sister said, do you want me to take him to the, to the woman? To, she, anyway, she agreed to take him to a Hebrew woman to nurse him. That was his mother. So Moses grew up in his house up under the covenant. He knew what was right and what was wrong, so he grew up the right, right way. But she had to let her son go into the world. And when she let him go into the world, it was Egypt. So he ended up learning Egypt ways, but he knew the difference. Because Moses took up for the Hebrews when the Egyptians come against the Hebrews. Why would you take up for the Hebrews? Because Moses knew who he was. Even though he was in the world, he knew who he was. I got news for y'all. Jesus hadn't came yet. So what am I saying? Nobody, unsaved, got an excuse. Because you got the commandments in you still to know right from wrong. You still have a choice whether or not you're going to eat from the tree or not. So Moses had a choice. Y'all know what happened. He left Egypt and God began to um, raise Moses up and he ended up being a deliverer. But guess what Moses had still? He still had on some clothes. He had abandonment. He had rejection. How do I know? Because every time God would tell him what he was going to do, he'd come back and say, I can't speak. God said, did I not make the dumb speak? Did I not make the mouth Moses? I'm God. So I'm telling you, y'all got on some grave clothes. You can say what you want. From the pulpit down, those grave clothes got to be removed off of you. Come on, I was pastoring and still had on some grave clothes and didn't know what I had on until I spent time with God. And God said, take off that rebellion. You still got a little bit of rebellion in you. You don't know how to shut up. You still got some rejection in you. You don't supposed to feel like that And you and me and I'm in you. Come on, I went to my husband and told him, forgive me for trying to be in control. Because God showed me them. Oh, y'all, come on, quit your mess. Y'all act like you ain't wearing nothing. It's all over you in the body of Christ. Get mad because somebody speak to you this Sunday. Don't speak to you next Sunday. Rejection. Get mad because somebody got something and you didn't get something. Rejection. So we look at kids. It's a recurring pattern. I'm going to give you a recurring pattern. If you have a child that you had to give up, the enemy's going to use that as a recurring pattern. The mother may have given up the child because the mother knew she couldn't take care of the child. So she gave up the child. Then when the child grew up, the child gave up his or her child. So it's going down through the generation. So it's right there in that generation. So everybody is going through being abandoned, being rejected, and it's going through that family. So you need to stop and say, wait a minute, God. This is a recurring pattern. It's going through the generation. Everybody's giving somebody... Room to take care of their children. You have to break it. Because if you don't break it, it's going to keep reoccurring. Even though Jesus took the curse, yes, he did. He broke the curse, but guess what's happening? You're wearing the effect of it. And you got to take that off. You got to ask God, what are these effects that I'm having in my life that keep reoccurring that I need to take off? And see, there are some some sins, y'all, or some grave clothes that people see in you that they can actually see, like gossip. We let them see the little gossip. We let them see that little stuff. But the fornication, the adultery, the pornography, the sexual perversion, we hide it. I'm coming to church, but I'm still getting it on. And pastor don't know it. Evidently, pastor, no more than you think I know. Because God see you. Even though you ain't in the bedroom laying down with them butt naked and ashamed, you got it on in your mind. Because every time you be with them, you undress them with your eyes. Those sins that are hidden, we're going to go to the spirit of perversion. It's a big one in the body of Christ. The spirit of perversion started way back when with the mites. And I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to show you something. Go with me. Y'all ain't this good. good. 2 Samuel 13. I want y'all to see something here. 2 Samuel 13. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Y'all catch that? Absalom had a sister. That means that was his whole sister. And Amnon, the son of David, which was another son by another woman, loved her. That means that was his stepsister. Loved her. For real? Y'all going to see what kind of love this is. And Amnon was so vexed. Vexed mean he was so troubled that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Amnon had it in his mind day after day, that he wanted to have his sister. And he was so vexed and so troubled with it, he was sick. There are so many people, Christian folks, that are, that's going through incest and sexual perversion so bad it's making them sick. Because they want something that they know don't belong to them, and the more they think about it over and over again, it brings sickness unto them. So Amnon thought hard. He was trying to find a way to get to have his sister. He wanted her so bad. If you're having thoughts over and over again, dealing with sexual perversion, dealing with fornication and adultery, and you know you're married... You know you're saved and you're single and you know you don't supposed to be touching that but these thoughts keep reoccurring over and over again that it's making you sick, it's vexing you and troubling you. You got on some attachments that you need to detach from. Amen. This was Amna. This was incest. So then it goes on to say, let me tell you how slick the devil is. See, I'm, I'm going to go here. I'm going to stop here for a minute. A familiar spirit is a spirit that goes through the family. It goes through the family and the generation. And what that familiar spirit do, it watches the weakness. It gets to know that person. It gets to know that family and the generation and the weaknesses that's in that family. So when it gets to know everything about that family, the enemy used that familiar spirit to make things known that you would think that was coming from God, but it's not coming from God. Because that familiar spirit, watch what's in that generation. And then the enemy end up using that through somebody to make you think it's coming from God. Oh, they know me. Who told them that? It's because it's a familiar spirit in operation. So what happened here, Amnon had a cousin. And he asked Amnon what was wrong with him. And when he told him what was wrong with him, how he was so lovesick over his half-sister, the devil used the cousin. They said he was crafty. So somebody that's crafty is so deceitful. So he took the very thing that was vexing him, and he told him how to use it to get what he wanted. He said, tell David, the king, your father, that you're sick. He's playing sick now. You sick and you need your sister to come over here and make you bread and feed you. So he used that with David. Now I'm going somewhere. David was Amnon's father. Amnon was older than Absalom. So if a child come to you and say, can my sister cook me some bread? I'm not feeling good. Of course, the father and mother say, sure. Yeah, they can do that. Now, Tamar was a virgin she never been with a man. So she went in there, and she was doing this for her brother, and he was rough handling her. And she was saying, just ask our father. He will let you have me. But she knew that was against God's commands. But she was doing all she can do to stop her brother from raping her. He raped her after it was over. See, when the devil get through with you, the love that he thought he had for it was not love. It was lust. It was incest. He, did, he hated her. He threw her out. And when she was standing there and Absalom, her brother, saw what was going on with her because she had to take off what she was wearing. I want y'all to understand this. Some of us that are saved right now, we don't feel saved because things in our life begin to pop up and we begin to take off who we really are in him and we're subjected to who the enemy wants us to be in him. So she thought, nobody's going to want me because of what has happened to me. But Absalom held this in his heart. He let his sister stay with him, and he was mad at his father because he didn't do nothing about it. Where am I going? You got fathers and mothers knowing incest in the family, sending children to the incest, and then when something happened, they sweep it under the rug, act like it's normal. The child is going through rejection. It's going through anger. It's going through different things because they say, you let this happen to me. This is what happened. But guess why it happened? I'm going to back up. It come through David and Bathsheba. Because God told David, David repented of his sin. But God said, the sword that you used, he said, it's going to go through your family. His son ended up killing his other son. And Absalom ended up sleeping with all his concubines. In the open. He said, what you did in secret? He said, but I'm going to allow people to see him sleeping with your wives in the open. It is not going to be secret. It went through the family. And then the child he had by Bathsheba, God despised what he'd done. Now look at what happened. It was murder in that family. So it went down through the generation. It was deception. It was lying. And look what happened. He had Uriah's wife. And his son had his wives. So everything that he did, you reap what you sow. Don't you let people tell you just because you saved, you don't reap nothing. When you sow to the flesh, you're going to receive from the flesh. When you sow through the spirit, you're going to receive of the spirit. When you slept with somebody else's husband and think that now you saved, the enemy going to try to get somebody to sleep with your husband. You reap what you sow. When you sow love, you get love. When you sow angry, you get anger. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. And if you think you missed it, you're looking at your children and say, Oh, Lord, that is what I did is coming through my kids. You think it's all over and done with. But what you do, it follows your children. And you have to sit down and talk to your children and say, uh uh-huh it stops here. Quit being ashamed of your past life. That was your past life. Quit making your children think you goody good. No, tell them the truth. Tell them this is where I was, but this is who I am now, and this is not who you need to be. Quit hiding stuff. Your kids might be so full of anger because they see your anger. They see your disappointments. Now they're trying to be a man like daddy. I got to walk like daddy. I got to talk like daddy. I got to be just like daddy. Now, my son, Jolly Green John, he's so funny, y'all. He finds excuses sometimes when he used to do stuff when he was very young. Mama, I did all this because you ain't never let me stay with nobody. I said, baby, you did all that because you wanted to do it. ain't got nothing to do with staying with nobody because you had a choice for what you did. When they say touch not, you don't touch it. You got a choice. It's not like your mama's right there with you, but you know right from wrong of what you do and how you do it. But regardless, baby, I'm going to still love you outside of what you've done. The problem with us parents is when a child mess up, we scorn them because we act like we so save our children don't mess up because, see, they call my kids preacher kids. But I'm here to tell you that's who the devil is after the most. Because the devil want to come at the pastor. But it don't bother me because guess what? My kids have a choice. When you raise your kids the way you need to raise them, the only thing you can do is pray for them and let them go. Don't be putting his sins on me. Because he got a choice to do what he does. Because Jesus broke that curse. Don't be putting it on me. Because God said he ain't going to go through the generations no more. You're going to be accountable for your own mess. Quit looking at people. You better go get yourself. He grown. Now I done told him he grown. You know what y'all problem is? And our problem, we don't want to look bad with the people. We don't want the people to know that's my child. Yes, that's your child. Quit trying to justify. Yeah, they done it. Did they tell you they done it? Yeah, they done it. Now son, now daughter, it's time for you to get over what you done. It's done. You can't change it. Stand up and be a man. No, we try to fix everything. How many people wore out for trying to fix your kids? You can't fix what's already been fixed through Jesus. The fix come through Jesus. And even when they get Jesus, they're still wearing grave clothes. And they still need to be fixed through the word. So I ain't go for them lame excuses with my son. And some people say, you're smuggling too much. Let him go. Lose him. As for me and my house, we's going to serve the Lord. This is my house. You pay rent in here. Mama, this is my room. No, it ain't. I give you an opportunity to sleep in that room. When you pay me money for that room, it's yours. But otherwise, ain't going to be no all this noise up in that room. This rocking and a shaking and a carrying on. I'm grown. You ain't grown. You still in my house. Now, when you get grown, you get your own house. But as for this house here, you don't let me do nothing, mama. That's the truth. Turn it off. We don't go for that up in here. Turn it off. When the Holy Ghost tells you to get up and look at your kids phones and you paying the bill. I don't care how old they are. Get up. Look at it. Oh, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Holy Ghost. Honey, Wiping his eye. I seen taking nobody that long to see what's on this phone. (laughs) I had to get some verification before I went back in that room. He talked on the phone all night. He forgot and left the phone open. Woo. I went in there and shook that jolly green giant. A lot of shaking. What is this? Mama, dial her number. Dial it. Dial it. I'm so sorry, Mr. Man. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Won't happen again. Please don't tell my parents. Won't happen again. Won't happen again. (laughs) We bring correction. Because you know what? Even in your house, if y'all in the spirit on the Lord's day, whatever your kid's doing, you can feel it in the atmosphere. You know when it's right, and you know when it's wrong. You know when depression is in your house. You know when oppression is in your house, and you know you ain't bought it in there, so we're going to get to the root of this thing. See, y'all, this is what I don't understand. You are in the world, but you're not of the world. You don't do what the world does. Your appetite's supposed to be different from the world. And if your appetite and way of doing is not different, you need to check your clothes. Because if you are saying that you're saved and you know Jesus, you shouldn't have a problem with going after something that you know don't belong to you. You you should say, there's a problem, I mean. I'm going after something that don't belong to me. So you should stop right then and say, Holy Ghost, what is this attached to me that keeps me going in this area? The Holy Ghost is going to show it to you. He'll show you where it come from and you can break that cycle. You can break it because the blood of Jesus that he shed he broke every generational curse but it left behind habits. It left behind some things and the Lord is reminding me young men older men if your daddy's ever sat there and watched pornography with you put in them sex tapes trying to make you out of a man instead of giving you a blessing of don't touch or what not to do they're just going to show you some pornography could be through a family member when you were growing up they showed you some pornography and you sat there and you looked. you got them images in your head and once you got saved you thought you were clean yeah the blood did clean cleanse you but you still stuck with those images You're still stuck with those habits and those things that keep reoccurring in your mind. You keep seeing these women. You keep seeing these acts. And you're crying out to God and you say, God, I'm saved. But why am I going through all of this lust? Why am I going through all of this perversion? Why I always got to have something except what I already have? Why am I daydreaming all the time? It's just vexing me. It's just making me sick. It's because it's attached to you. Some of us play roles to make people think we all right, but we ain't all right. We have been so deeply wounded in areas and it comes through kinfolk, come through uncles. It comes through aunts and you're thinking you're safe with them aunts and uncles and they'll be telling you, I'm going to make you a man. Then they end up having sex with you at a young age and you don't even want to share it because people think you're lying because that was a special uncle or that was a special aunt. You went through that abuse and you carried it from five years old until you got married. And you wonder why you wouldn't let your husband touch you. You wonder why you would cry and go through because you wiped that memory out of your head. Because you said nobody would ever touch me in that way again. But once you accepted Jesus and God sent somebody to you and began to minister out of love to let you know that hurt and that disappointment you went through, then you're ready to let go of it because you know you don't have to wear it anymore. You know you don't have to accept it. Is it an easy fix? No. It don't happen overnight, y'all. It's like peeling an onion. You know how when you're peeling an onion, you're just crying, and the more you mess with that onion, the more tears come, your eyes begin to burn. That's how it is when you're taking off clothes, grave clothes. It hurts the flesh because that's what the flesh is used to. That's what the flesh succumbs to. Men and women of God, we don't have to be subject to that because Jesus made a way for us. He made a way of escape, just like Amnon here. When he did that to his sister, look what happened to the brother Absalom. He ended up killing his own brother. Then he ended up turning against his father. He came to take the kingdom. This is happening here and now, y'all. And it's time for us to spend time in this word of God and say, God, what am I wearing? God, I know I'm saved. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved, but salvation is no feeling. Everybody in this room know what you're dealing with. You know, these recurring patterns, you know what the enemy uses and weaknesses, the enemy uses these things to keep you from pushing forward, to keep you from doing what God has created you to do. So as long as you succumb to him and his way of doing, then you up under his guidance, go back to Romans, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to show you what the word of God has to say on that Romans, the sixth chapter. The word will give you everything you need if you research it. And Romans, the sixth chapter, you remember we talked about you, you died with Christ and you rose with him into a newness of life. And he wants us to live that newness of life. But it gets down here to say in verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he liveth unto God. God wants us to live unto him. We died unto sin through Jesus Christ. Likewise, this is the key, reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. You hear that? We got to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your instruments, members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Do y'all hear that? Because whomever you yield your members to, that's whom you're going to serve. What am I saying? We have church folks still yielding to things that Jesus has freed us from. And we're yielding to those things because we have not really let go of those habits in our soulish realm. In our mind, we still think in the same way. Why? Because our mind have not been renewed. We have to be transformed and changed. And the first thing is say, be not conformed. Be not adapted and patterned after this world. Everywhere that the Israelites went, this is what Jesus told them. Go to Numbers. I pray this is helping somebody. Numbers 33. Now, when they had to go in and possess the land, Jesus gave a warning and told Moses to give them this warning. He said in thirty three fifty one, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye are passed over Jordan into the land, land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of that land from before you. Did y'all hear that? So the land was theirs. I'm going to look at this as we're saved. We're in the garden of Eden in our spirit. Amen. The land belongs to us. Everything God has belonged to us. But this is what he's saying. In your soul, I need for you to drive out all the inhabitants. I want y'all to get it. I want you to drive out all the inhabitants of that land before you. He said, I want you to get rid of these images. I want you to get rid of these idols that you have set up in your mind. An idol is anything that you put before God. It can be money. It can be sex. It can be husband. It can be wife. It can be dog, cat, mother. Anything you put before God is an idol. Any image in your mind that you allow him to be higher than God is an idol. That's an idol. He said you got to literally get rid of all these things. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You are saved, but you still got some inhabitants on a land in the soulless realm. God said, get rid of these things. And then he said, if you don't get rid of these things, look at this. And then it down here it says in verse 55, but if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain. We got a choice. If you let perversion remain, incest remain if you letting gossip if you letting anything remain he said they shall be pricks in your eyes thorns in your side and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell that means they're going to oppress you some of us right now are being oppressed by things because we letting them dwell there that's a stronghold that's a fortress you have in your mind that's oppressing you day by day by day A thought that comes to your mind more than any thought is a stronghold. If that thought is constantly there, every day, every night, that's a stronghold in your life. I hear some people say, I don't have no stronghold. You don't know what you got. Because you think you ain't got it. Here I am telling you what it is and you still, I ain't never been rejected. Yes, you have. You've been rejected by a man. You've been rejected by your mother and father. You've been rejected. So don't say, I ain't rejected. When somebody don't call you, nobody calls me. Rejection. Right. Nobody come see me. Rejection. So don't never say you're not rejected. And you could have had it coming from your mother's womb. Some people say, well, I had a good mother. They took care of me. Yeah, they could have took care of you, but you don't know what they went through while you was in that womb. That's right. You don't know what they went through before you even existed. You don't know. So that's why the Holy Spirit is here to help you to know, y'all. You got to know the truth. Once you know the truth, the truth is what makes you free. But you got to know the truth. Quit acting like you ain't got no issues. You got issues. All of us got issues. Just because you come to church, your name on the roll, you got a position. That don't mean you ain't got no issues. And I'm going to be honest with you. If people wait for people to get it right, the church be empty. Nobody would be doing nothing from the fivefold on down. Fivefold, you can't look at other people like you better because you got a title. You might be more screwed up than the members. Come on now. That's why we got to check who we have in leadership. When we see the same recurring pattern, we got to say, come here. Uh-uh, this ain't happening up in here. Come here, let's talk about it. You got an issue. And your issue is going to affect this body. You can't teach one thing and live another thing. This is what I like about people. When you got an issue, say you got one. I can work with you then and let you know God still loves you. He knew you had the issue before you became a pastor, before you became all of this. He the one called you to what you are. He knew you got some issues but God said I want you to deal with the issue. I want you to recognize the issue. Quit trying to lose, use your title like you this that or the other. Right. And I'm reminded of this. My husband and daughter had to correct me. When I would go to Wilmington, y'all know we ain't number 30 minutes from Wilmington, right? I don't use 30 minutes. I use 30 miles. 30 minutes seemed like a short distance. 30 miles to me seemed like longer. So when I go somewhere and I'm talking to them about something and they're telling me, well, I don't know if I can help you today. They wait They wait for it. Ariel, wait for it. Well, look, I done come 30 miles. Come on, don't tell me y'all ain't tried that before. I done come 30 miles down here. ain't nothing that you can do to help me. Next thing they know, well, let me go see what I can do. They pick on me, but the job gets done. But the Lord let me know, why you got to use that all the time? Come on now. Oh, when you want something free, you know how to get that free thing. Is that right? So we got to ask ourselves, where is this coming from if we know he supply all of our needs? We got to really dig deep and say, Lord, am I still lacking and don't know? Do I still live this way and thinking I'm not living? Come on, correct yourself. Lord, why am I trying to figure it out if you worked it out? Why am I always expecting free cheese? Why am I always scheming or using something that's going on in my life for somebody to bless me and then call it a blessing? No, you worked that up and now you call it a blessing. It's through your scheming and manipulation you got that money. Don't blame that on God and call that a blessing. That's you that worked that up to get what you got. Some people use illness. Some people use other things to get stuff. And they're so used to doing it, it become a part of them. And when they're blessed, they're like, oh, God bless me. Oh, I bind a fence right now in Jesus' name. Don't even come ask me nothing after service. That's a stronghold. You done took offense. Is she talking to me? No, God might be talking to you through me. So you need to be delivered in that area. So let us close on this scripture. Mm-hmm. look at this scripture y'all in ephesians i'm going to ephesians 2 then i'm gonna flip over to ephesians 4 2 1 and you have he quickened who was dead and trespasses and sin who quickened us who made us alive it come through jesus this is how we were in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience this is who we were right Go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And I want to read this to you. Verse 21. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, that you put off concerning the former conversation, of old man. That means the former lifestyle. I'm going to prove everything that I said to you. You had a formal lifestyle that when the old man was attached to you, we know the old man is dead, but Paul is saying, put off that formal lifestyle. So evidently they were still acting the way they used to act, even though the old man is dead. He said, put it off, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Duggle your medicine. You got to put off that formal lifestyle. That way that you used to live is still attached to your soulish realm. And put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now look what he's saying. So this evidently been happening in the church. Put away lying. Didn't he say put it away? Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He's naming all of these things that we still have to put off in the body of Christ. He said, put away lying, put away anger. And then he said, neither give place to the devil. The devil's getting place in the church because people still lying. They're still angry. And then he said, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth.' I like this one. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Some of us got a stronghold of cursing. You start talking to people, holding conversation, everything come out. Then you say, this is the way I was raised. You a new creation in Christ Jesus. He said, put it away. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. And some people say, I don't curse you. Doing it in your mind. You got a stronghold. But let that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of of redemption then he goes right back in there let all bitterness wrath anger clamor evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another tenderhearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake have forgiven you y'all the word speaks for itself we got to put off all of these things and some of us are still wearing them and the reason why we're wearing them is because we haven't been transformed and changed through the word of God The more time you spend in the word of God, you can cast down because he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. For what? For casting down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself from the knowledge of God. Any high thing that goes above him, you're supposed to cast it down. You're supposed to throw it down and go back in the Old Testament. He said, I want you to literally get rid of every high place. I want you to literally get rid of every grove. I want you to literally get rid of every altar. He said, because if you don't get rid of these things, they will vex you. They will trouble you. Some of y'all are vexed. Some of y'all are still troubled in your mind because you allowing these things to be held there. You have to take the word of God and you have to literally remove them through the word of God and it's going to take time but if you ain't taking the time to get in this word you're going to keep dealing with these things but some of y'all don't want to let go because you think you all of this in a bag of chips. You think everybody don't want you? People think that they're so wanted and so needed above everybody else. It's time to rise up in the body of Christ. God want his glory to be revealed. But if we're holding on to these things, we should not have isms and schisms in the body of Christ. We shouldn't get mad because somebody else is going up higher than you. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know the scripting process that they had to go through to get to another level. They may take off a piece of grave clothing and God said, I can trust you because you're working in that area. So I'm going to move you a little higher because if God really, really, really want to empty the church, all of us be dead because God, he say one mess up, you don't messed up everything, but because of Jesus, I ain't no mess up no more in his eyes. It ain't because of me, it's because of him. God said it's time to take off these grave clothes and he has shown you how to take them off through the word. It's up to you to get in this word. Let this word get in you. Quit having pity parties. Quit talking about the mountain. Begin to speak to the mountain. Quit talking to God about it and rise up in your authority and say I don't have to have perversion. I don't have to be an adulteress. I don't have to be fornicating. I don't have to be lusting after nothing but the word because when you delight yourself in him he will give you what the desires of your heart y'all it's time to let go and let god be whom he need to be in your life and spend time with the holy spirit and ask him what am i wearing that i don't need to be wearing amen come on get god a hand clap for praise Hallelujah. Father we just thank you. We praise you. We glorify you on today. We thank you for the word God that you have brought unto your people and we thank you God that you shall be glorified through this word. We thank you that people's hearts and minds was open and receptive God to receive this word and father God that we all know father God the grave clothes that we're wearing God through the help of the Holy Spirit and God as those grave clothes are revealed father God. We go into the word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we remove these grave clothes through the word of God. We thank you and we praise you, Father God. And right now, Father God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for how Jesus shed his blood for the remissions of sin. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So we know the blood has taken care of all forms of sin. And we thank you that you have given us the authority and you have given us the right to come against everything, every attack that the enemy has sent out against us, have sent out against our minds. So, God, we rise up in this authority on today in Jesus' name. Now, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I come to tear down that foul spirit of perversion. God, that's lurking the land, that's keeping people in bondage, God. I bind that spirit of perversion right now. I command it to go in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God, that you have come today to give life and give it more abundantly in Jesus' name. And I come against rejection in the name of Jesus. I bind rejection and I loose the love of God in this place in Jesus name and God we just thank you for loving us so much because your love God it conquers a multitude of sin so we thank you for loving us so much on today in Jesus name amen amen Amen. we give God glory do